Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast. I am Chad Millman from the Action Network. In just a second, I will be joined by Bob Scucci. But later on in the show, professional better Simon Hunter is going to come on and we're going to go over uh, our five picks for the Westgate Super Contest. Darren is not joining because... He's on the hunt of Mattress Mac, the guy betting $20 million on the World Series that is all coming down to tonight's game. It's Wednesday when I'm recording this. Tonight, they're playing Game 7. Mattress Mac has bet $20 million, and Darren has been with him every step of the way, including today, flying on a private jet to Mississippi. So, Mattress Mac can get even more money down. Also... Breeders' Cup coming up this weekend. We like to cover the big races. We like to cover the big events. Even if they're happening during football season, we have a special guest coming on to talk about Breeders' Cup. But first, from Boyd Gaming, representing all the books they represent in the state of Nevada and throughout the country, Mr. Bob Scucci. What is going on, buddy? Oh, the usual. I mean, we got everything going on all at the same time. It's a great time of year. We've got Breeders' Cup this this weekend and uh, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, you name it. We got it. Hey, let, let me ask you a question because we got someone coming on for the Breeders' Cup in a little bit. And what I want to know is in the middle of football season, like Breeders' Cup, how much attention is that going to get? Quite a bit. I mean, I don't know how much crossover there is just, you know, from the football fans that, that you know, will suddenly like horse racing. But in, in especially in Nevada, where the, the, the race books are right in the sports books themselves, um, you can't help but be around it. And if you see race after race, I mean, even the, the casual sports better is going to want to put a few dollars on one of these horse races, knowing that they're the biggest races in the world. You know what's big? What's big? Betting on the NFL. You know what's <laughs> yeah. hard, you know what's really painful. What's that? Betting on the NFL. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. tough, man. Like it's it's a really hard thing. You know, I'm betting every game. You can follow along in the Action Network app. Two fifty six or bust. I am betting every single game you can bet in the NFL. Um, my record this year is what is my overall record right now nfl i am 68 and 53 on the year that is uh 56.2 percent you can follow that in the action network app 256 or bust but last weekend was rough man i went six and eight and i needed miracles from uh the packers on sunday night and the officials on monday night so the dolphins would cover like (laughs) It is just gut-wrenching. Like, to see the refs in that Bucks game blow the game, to see the refs in that Browns game blow the game with just bad, bad calls. Is it me? Do you feel like refs are having a bigger impact on betting this year than normally? I think I'm biased because I've always felt that refs had a uh, significant influence in the game. And maybe that just comes from watching 30,000 games over a career. But uh, (laughs) I've always felt that they've had a huge impact. So no different than normal. 
This was the first weekend like where normally you you get a sense. It's Stucky, uh, one of the guys at the Action Network, and they host a great podcast, the Action Network podcast. Uh, go download it. And Stucky and Colin Wilson, who host the Colleges podcast, uh, Stucky will always grade his games based on sort of the final score, but also luck and like... Did the game go as he planned? Did the game not go as he planned? What did he miss? And what happened just because of luck, wins or losses? And I feel like this was the first weekend where I had bad luck. It was a first, and that's not bad. Like eight weeks in to have bad luck, where I really felt like, oh, those were some bad beats. I, I had not had a weekend like that yet. And now more than ever, it's making me sad. Well, the right side's the winning side, so uh, you gotta you gotta take luck into account. A wise man once said, "The right side is the winning side." Scooch. Thursday night, we have an undefeated San Francisco 49ers team traveling to Arizona. A surprising three, four, and one um, did not cover for people last week against the Saints as ten point dogs, which I think people thought they would. Um, again, they are ten point dogs at home this time against the San Francisco 49ers, who are juggernauts like absolute juggernauts i thought i thought they might lose to the panthers this past weekend i was so all over the panthers in that side and yet and yet scooch they hung up 50 freaking points a 50 burger on that team (laughs) yeah we keep talking about how we have to keep adjusting uh lines on on uh, the 49ers and i i was at the point last week where i said I, i just can't adjust them any higher you know, I had them ranked, you know, just behind the Saints. And and now I, I think we just have to put them just kind of even with the Saints. I mean, uh, if, if they play, the game's a pick them now. And so just really just uh, whoever's got the home field is going to be the favorite in that matchup. But, I mean, we, this line prior to last Sunday, this line would have been seven, seven and a half. And even though I keep saying I'm not going to adjust the Niners, I didn't. We hung eight on this game, and we just let the money drive it up to ten. I think it's another situation where the value's on the Cardinals, as much as you hate to say that. I, I mean, the Cardinals played the Saints last week, and that line closed 12 and a half. So uh, it's almost saying that the Niners are laying as much on the road against the Cardinals as the Saints laid at home against the Cardinals. So, I mean, that just shows how inflated this line has become. Uh, But, you know, you look at the ticket count and it's like 20 to one, one of the biggest I've seen all year in terms of just being lopsided. This will be one of the biggest decisions we've had in a long time. I hate that I'm going to have to hold my nose and bet the Cardinals. Yeah, no matter what we we do, the car, the 49ers, like you said, just juggernauts, just week in, week out. Why not just keep betting on them? If you're if you're the casual fan, um, you know, there's no reason not to, to 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 let off of it now. I mean, they've been covering for you every week except I think maybe one, possibly two. I have to go back, but they just cover every week and convincingly. I mean, you're never you're never even sweating in these games. So uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to be huge Cardinal fans. So frustrating. It's so, so frustrating. You know who else is frustrating? The Houston Texans, who are playing the Jags in London this weekend. It's a 9.30 game, which we love. Like, nothing better than a 9.30 game. I hate these London games where they're starting at 1 o'clock. Give me football, like, when I'm waking up and I'm doing laundry and there's a pile of it on my bed 
and I'm folding it and no one's bothering me. And I have to say to Stace, my wife, I'm like, I'm working. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be working from 9.30 a.m. until midnight watching football. There will be no break. Maybe from like 7.30 to 8.30, you know, depending on if the late games go really late. Maybe I'll be available. Other than that, I'm watching the Texans and the Jags. I'm seeing the Texans as one-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't know about that one, Scooch. Yeah, so I, I guess on the East Coast, 9.30 is a decent start. But on the West Coast, it's 6.30 a.m., and nobody wants to get up that early on a Sunday morning. So typically, we don't see a whole lot of action on these 6.30 games here on the, on the West Coast and in Las Vegas. Uh, there's some people that have interest in If it's a big matchup, they'll bet on it the night before. But uh, for some reason, the, the AFC South just doesn't draw a lot of interest, even with – it's kind of like all these teams, there's maybe three, three and a half points that separate them in power ranking. So it's like 1A, 1B, 1C, and 1D, like they're all entries. And anytime they play each other, that's only a couple of points uh, in terms of the point spread is only a couple of points difference. So very competitive game. Ticket count slightly heavier on the Texans. Uh, now without uh, J.J. Watt, I mean, that's going to affect just kind of the recreational casual fan who, you know, they, that's one name they recognize. And uh, they'll, either, they'll either bet the Jags or kind of lay off the game. It was not that long ago, Scooch, where J.J. Watt was worth a point or a point and a half against the point spread. And he was the only defensive player who yeah. commanded that kind of respect and carried that kind of weight. Yeah, it wasn't long ago, and but you know the problem he's been dealing with so many injuries. It's almost like the the, the teams had to play without him as much as they as they played with him. So um, it, it, you you see the value shrink over time, and that's usually typical with any player that's uh, that's kind of injury plagued. I don't like that game, but I feel like I'm going to have to bet the Texans in it. Yeah, we, we've been kind of had a pretty good beat on this Texans team in terms of kind of shading them when we feel it's a bad spot for them and they come up short and then um, uh, being kind of heavy on them when, when, when they play well. So I, I think this is a good line for, for us. I, I, I don't think we'll see much movement in this one, but um, uh, I, I, maybe I haven't been given the Jags enough credit. Uh, they have surprised me in a few games. You and I joke all the time that like those AFC South teams and those teams that are generally in the Southeast where college football means everything are the most sort of nondescript, lacking in cultural cachet, lacking in fan base, lacking in passion, lacking any anything that is sort of identifiable, right? Like yeah. it's, it's the helmet theory. The Titans, <laughs> the Jaguars, the Texans. For the life of me right now, I cannot tell you the fourth team in the AFC South. I, like, <laughs> honest to God, if I, I, like, I would need to look it up right now. I have no idea who it is. Colts. All right, the Colts. <laughs> the only team that has any sort of history or any weight or sway with the public is the team that I couldn't remember. That's how little this conference, this division matters. It really does. They need more separation. It does seem like all their uniforms are so nondescript. They all need distinguishable. They need to get better uniforms. I agree with you there. They all Colts feel have like the only one that they have the only one that, that that has any sort of like that feels like it has gravitas. Like the, all the other ones feel like those fake uniforms you get in movies and commercials when people can't use real NFL IP. So they <laughs> I'm just going to say that <laughs> they make up what uniforms look like. That's what all these other uniforms look like. 
Yeah, like like what Al Pacino in uh, any given Sunday, yeah. and there's like I don't know the sharks or something, right? That's exactly what it is. Like they they're all it's like they're all wearing like you know XFL uniforms or any or North Dallas Forty or any given Sunday or you know commercials for Samsung TVs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm with you there. You know what else I hate other than the AFC South? What Chicago Bears? Why the fuck? Does Matt Nagy, why does he think that kicking a 40-yard field goal is good enough? He did the same thing yeah. in the playoffs last year. Like, he will just decide, you get, you know, hey, we're within 55 yards of a field goal. Let's just kneel. Like, let's give up yeah. getting any more yardage. He did the same thing last year in the playoffs. The Bears lost. He did the same thing this past week against the Chargers. A, an offense that is so dreadful, it's painful painful a buddy of mine was at the game he lives in california and um it's the second game he's been to with the bears and he texted me he's like i've seen six quarters of bears football and zero bears touchdowns he texted me at halftime this team this coach this quarterback they are adrift in a sea of mediocrity to stink and bad decision making and regret Regret that they don't have Christian McCaffrey. They don't have Patrick Mahomes. They don't have Deshaun Watson. They got Mitchell fucking Trubisky and David Montgomery. That's who they yeah. got. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of like the year after the Falcons uh, came up short against the nine, the uh, uh, Patriots. And then the year after that, they, they were just done. And they've been done ever since. And you look at the Bears season last year and how close they came. And instead of getting up to the next level they've regressed so far back it's just it's ridiculous and and the coach i mean to your point of 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 relying on a long field goal i mean he didn't even check with the kicker to see that he prefers kicking from the middle instead of the left hash mark and and then he misses it left i mean it's just bad coaching all the way around i mean the, the potential is there because of the, the talent of the, some of the players but uh they they're just on a downward spiral and and now they're they're facing an eagles team uh that uh put together one of their better games of the year we actually liked them against the bills last week and and tried to shade the line to draw a lot of bills money there uh so here they are laying uh, five and a half and we've actually got pretty good two-way to be honest with you i mean the public's on the eagles at about maybe a two to one ratio but uh you know, we, we kind of bounced between five and five and a half and we've got some decent money on both sides. So uh, some of the some of the sharp guys are actually uh, taking the five and a half with the Bears. Well, I was going to say all that said, my whole rant, the Bears are the right side in this game. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you got to bet on these teams. You got to. I mean, that's where the value is. I mean, especially the worse a team looks, the more the power rankings and the lines are going to shift away from that direction. So at some point you have to get some value on them. Kansas city is a two and a half point favorite over the Vikings at home. I'm assuming you believe Patrick Mahomes is going to play. Um, but tell me what the plan is here. Yeah, that, it's kind of in the middle actually. So I think, you know, with, with Mahomes definitely in this line goes up to three, three and a half. Uh, without Mahomes, you're kind of looking at a similar line as what we saw with Green Bay, Kansas City last week, uh, Minnesota being as high as maybe a two-and-a-half, possibly even a three-point favorite. So uh, in this case, we're seeing probably it's going to be about a six-point line differential with him definitely in or definitely out. 
we still have to take into consideration that he's not 100% regardless. So we're not getting the best Mahomes, even if he does play. So that is, you know, one of the factors in this one. Washington visiting Buffalo. I felt like, and Buffalo is a nine and a half point favorite. I felt like the Eagles were the prime spot last week. I think you did too. Do we think Buffalo was just in a bad spot and like they're, they're actually a decent team or do we think that they've been overvalued all year? Well, I think they have a decent defense and, and the offense is still uh, suspect and there's nothing to indicate that kind of anything's changed in the last uh, couple of weeks there. Um, I do think they're, they're a good team. So uh, to be a sizable favorite is, you know, to be expected in this game. But uh I think the sharper guys are going to take the, the points in this one. So um, it's enough points to dissuade the, the general public. I don't think they, they have enough confidence in a team like the Bills, uh, like they do some of you know the teams like the Patriots and the 49ers and you know, the Seahawks or Rams where they don't mind laying more than a touchdown. But to lay 10 points with the Bills, I think, I, th- I think more people are going to kind of gravitate toward the Redskins in this one. I think so, too. I think so, too, and it's weird. It's weird. I think the Bills are going to crush them. You know uh, who's traveling? Our favorite team, the Indianapolis Colts, are traveling to Pittsburgh, and they're one-point favorites right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this AFC is an interesting... South juggernaut, <laughs> Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we... we the Colts have just been a team that's been drawing action either on them or against them all year. So uh, these have been real intriguing games. Uh, and the Steelers, I think even people that have been generally Steelers fans over many years, uh, and they have a huge following, I, I think they just can't quite figure out uh, what, what to do with this team, uh, you know, without a premier quarterback. Uh, so, you know, the, the money is going to be coming on the Colts. We did already get a couple couple of plays. I could see this line moving up. Right now we're the Colts minus one, uh, but I can definitely see this line moving up to kind of two, possibly even two and a half. I don't think the, the Sharp guys will get involved in this. I don't think they're, they're seeing anything on the Steelers, even as short home dogs, that would make them want to come in on this one. So I think this one might be one where it's just all Colts both ways. Well, look, 75% of the tickets right now are coming in on the Colts. It is going to get dangerously close to that scenario where you've got 80% of the tickets and on a road favorite and I as a as a wise guy and all the other millmans out there are going to be compelled to bet on the Steelers. And I wouldn't mind it. Like the Colts I think they're a well-coached team, but I'm not sure they're a very good team. Yeah, um yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, they have some talent, and and, and Bursett has just been really uh, effective. So, um, and, and on the other side, the Steelers, like I said, they, I mean, going down fourteen nothing against the Dolphins as a fourteen point favorite, you know, didn't instill any confidence in anybody. Even though they did come back to almost cover that one, uh, but uh, you know, the that the public either stays away or probably bets on the Colts. Um, and this is a week. This is a week with a lot of short uh, road dogs with good teams, and that usually spells disaster for the books. Meaning, it could be a week where the general public has a has a big week. And 
I, I'll give you a kind of a, a, a statistic that is completely non-scientific and <laughs> it's, it's probably a little biased, but in my recent memory, Breeders' Cup weekend has not been a good weekend for the books. And it seems like you have, at least in Las Vegas, where you have people in the in the book, it's it's busy, they're betting horse racing, and they see these short home, uh, these short road dogs, and they just bet on them, just looking and saying, oh, Packers are only laying three, or Patriots are only laying three and a half, and it looks like an automatic play. And the last few years, Breeders' Cup weekend has been an extremely public weekend. It just seems the way that the schedule falls, and this seems to be no different. Listen, Scourge, I don't know if you know this, but at the Action Network, we're in the hunch and bias business. We're not in the data and analytics business. So anytime you want to bring that kind of like cold, hard take onto the podcast, you're more than welcome. Yep. Nice. Thank you. Listen, um, <laughs> we have the uh, Al Pacino Coast coached Tennessee Sharks visiting the, uh, the, the Robert De Niro coached Carolina Ponies, and they're playing for the Pantheon Cup. Yeah, that's about the size of it. Very little action on this game. Uh, I mean, all the bets on this one are just parlays, a little slightly heavier on the Panthers because they're laying three and a half, but almost no money on this game. This is, uh, especially with the Panthers coming off of that kind of annihilation last week at the hands of the 49ers, no one's going to be anxious to kind of put their money on them this week. Um, going up against a Titans team who came out of the gate looking real strong, putting up 41 points against Cleveland, and then just doing nothing significant since then. Got a couple of wins, but the, in some close games. Again, nothing to, to get the public excited about. So uh, this will be one of the corner TV games. The Jets are visiting the Dolphins. What is the money line on this right now for the, for the Dolphins? They're getting plus 135. I... If the Dolphins are going to win any game, it's this game against a Jets team that is a freaking mess. Le'Veon Bell might get traded. Jamal Adams might get traded. Sam Darnold has not stopped seeing ghosts. Robbie Anderson might get traded. Everybody hates the GM. Adam Gase looks like a guy who they never should have given the job to, and the only people who thought he should have the job are the owners who are too stupid to know the difference between Adam Gase and an actual professional head football coach. Like... Wow. This team is a wreck. This team is a, is an absolute <laughs> wreck. And the Dolphins got some spirit, and they got some fight. And they have gotten progressively harder to play every single week. They just have. Like, their challenge is they don't have the talent. But they're not lacking in heart, and I think they're playing a team that is as sort of diminished in talent as they are. Give me the yeah, Dolphins and, plus 135. Yeah, I I think the sharp guys agree with you here. Uh, nobody's getting excited about getting the jet, betting on the Jets, uh, but the Dolphins are in a lot of games. And okay, they cover against the, uh, the the Steelers, they cover against the Niners, they cover against the uh, the Redskins. I mean, they've got three covers in a row uh, after coming out of the gate uh, saying that you know they're they're going to tank the season and unload their players, and they still made some bad decisions. I didn't understand the the decision this week to. Uh, to get Aqib Tlaib and, and get rid of a, a fifth rounder and a seventh rounder to the Rams. Uh, but And you wonder just how much a lot of that still is affecting morale. But they do have probably more fight than what we've seen from the Jets since that Cowboys win. So uh, it's an intriguing game, and the Sharp guys are with you. They're taking the points with the Dolphins, and, and they're actually uh, p- taking them a little bit on the money line as well. 
There we go. There. We, oh my God, I am a wise guy. Imagine that. Because you got to be professional to recognize that this is the spot for the Dolphins. Yep. Yep. Um, the Tampa Bay Zealots uh, of the doesn't really matter football league are visiting a real football team, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, they're six point underdogs going to Seattle. How do you bet against Russell Wilson at this point? Although I will say, now that I think about it, this feels like the week where you want to bet on famous Jameis because he was so bad last week. Well, once again, the sharp guys agree with you there. We opened the game six and a half and uh, a couple of our biggest bets of the of the week so far have been on uh, the Buccaneers. Uh, so it's one of our biggest decisions as of right now. It's, uh, it's one of our biggest decisions that we need the Seahawks. But I would expect in the coming days that the public is going to still be on the Seahawks, laying the six. I think the sharp guys might actually drive this down to five and a half or, or lower. So if you are going to bet the Seahawks, it's one of the rare instances where you kind of uh, bet the favorite late. Um, because if you're, if you're looking at the betting on the Buccaneers, you want to grab that six now while you can. I guess that's what I'm going to have to do. If, if I were a betting man, I guess that's what I would do. But I agree. That's the side you want to be on. Detroit at Oakland. Oakland minus two. Listen, I've been on Detroit most of the year. I actually like this team a lot. But Oakland's showing up. You know? Yeah, like they are. A short, Oakland is a short home favorite with, which, which car brother is it? Is it Derek Carr? Would Derek, Derek Carr, Carr actually playing decent football and being accurate and Josh Jacobs as a powerhouse running back? I don't mind Oakland as a short home favorite. Sharp, sharp move. Millman move, go. <laughs> yeah, two weeks in a row where, where the Raiders really should have gotten the win. You know, I loved the Raiders a couple weeks ago against Green Bay. And, you know, I know you can't take much from just three quarters, but they, they did really just looked alive until Derek Carr fumbled that ball against Green Bay going into the end zone. And then last week they had that game in hand. I mean, talk about the right side with the wrong result. That was one of them. They still get the cover easily uh, last week, but that was another one they, they – uh, should have won the game. Uh, I, I do like this Raiders team, and I like the Lions a lot more early in the year. Uh, they're starting to kind of uh, uh, plateau a little bit, so I think this is a real good spot for the Raiders, and I wouldn't mind taking a little Lions money in this one. But uh, right now it's kind of dead even, uh, but I think this line has a better chance of going to three on the Raiders than it does moving towards pick. So get it while it's short, as they might say in the betting business. Yes, sir. Did I just make something up? Did I make it up? No. <laughs> get something while it's short doesn't have a good ring to it, though. You get don't it. want to put that on a T-shirt. Get No, no. Get it while it's short. <laughs> oh, okay. It still has a bad ring to it. <laughs> has other connotations. I All think. of a sudden, you're like a literary critic. <laughs> You spend 30 fucking years in the dark and the smoke of the sports book. You come out into the light once a week for 30 minutes to talk to me. And all of a sudden you feel like you can tell me what sounds good. I've written seven books, four of them bestsellers, and I'm a content genius. It's, that's what's happened. I'm reading all those Melbourne books. Get it while it's short. 
<laughs> Cleveland is a three-point favorite at Denver. That Denver team is a hot mess. And Cleveland, look, they didn't look great against the Patriots, but that was the right side. And they got burned by a couple of phantom P.I. calls. Yeah, I agree with you there. And you talk about a team that really should have won last week and didn't. The Broncos had that game against the Colts, and then they let the Colts, uh, uh, I don't know how, with seconds left. I mean, they had Jacoby Brissett. I think Vaughn Miller had him in the grass, in his own end zone, with like thirty a minute left in the game. Couldn't bring him down. They, they let him throw for like 30 yards, drive down, kick the game-winning field goal. Um, this Broncos team is just, I mean, they, that's, I, I think I could count five games now where they lost in similar fashions this year that they probably should have won, but you can't keep saying that every week. You know, they should have won this game. They should have won that game. They're only getting a field goal in this one against a much better Browns team. Um, the sharp guys agree with you. They're on the Browns at minus three. We went to three minus 20. If anything, I see the line going up on the Browns. I feel like the window on this team could be, five and two, not two and five, is, say, five weeks. You sort of get the benefit of the doubt. We're like, hey, you look back on the record, and they lost two games in the last second, and then they won two games, and two games they just didn't look good. But they could easily be four and two, not two, not, you know, two and four. I feel like you, yeah. you run out of that as sort of like something you can bank on as a team to buoy your, your, your players. Like, yeah, yeah. I, well, you know, they did get... They did get the cover, though, last week. I mean, what were they getting, like six points in that game last week that they probably should have won outright? So they did cover fairly easy. And in our game, it's more about covering than winning. So there you have it. Whatever, dude. Uh, <laughs> Green Bay on the road, three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Los Angeles Chargers, which is not really like um, being on the road at all. It's not. Uh, this Charger team has no home field advantage, really, and I'm sure there's going to be more Packers in the Packers fans in the stadium than there are uh, Chargers. But great action on this one. Obviously, the public is is all over the Packers in this one at a you know huge rate. Maybe about 75, 80 percent of the tickets uh, are on the Packers. Um, but we did get uh, some some pretty big action on the Chargers at plus three and a half. Uh, but then we even got bigger action on the Packers at minus three and a half. So, like I said, a lot of action both ways. Obviously, one of the, the later games of the day, so it's going to be uh, huge with a good team like the Packers. Um, uh, with it's going to be the highest profile of game of the afternoon for us. Uh, you know, not including the late game of the Patriots Ravens, but of of the rest of the games, it's going to be a, a big decision for us. We're going to need the Chargers. Speaking of the Patriots-Ravens, the Patriots are three-and-a-half-point favorites in Baltimore. My friend Stucky, I mentioned earlier, Action Network Podcast, and by the way, everything I look at in terms of the data, where I talk about the betting percentages, money percentages, lines, etc., you can get it all on the Action Network app, download it for free. You can also uh, follow all my picks via Chad Millman or 256 or busts. Scooch, you know that uh, we had an app called the Action Network? I've, I've heard of that, yeah. yeah. It's got a pretty good reputation in your industry. Nice. If you ever want to come out of the dark. I might do that. I'll do, I'll do it this week. Next week, I'll you're going to be live in the studio, by the way. Yeah, we got to figure out a time, but uh, I'll be in New York. 
That's exciting. You sound really enthusiastic. Baltimore, <laughs> as a three-and-a-half-point dog to the Patriots, all in on the Ravens, baby. All in. This is the game the Patriots lose. This ends their undefeated season. Yeah, everything points to the Ravens in this one. Uh, we opened the game four. The wise guys were all over it. They took the four. We're down to three and a half. The, the public is all over the Patriots in this one, but it is a great spot for the Ravens. Ravens can't lose this one. Patriots undefeated season goes down on this one. And having said all that, give me the Patriots again because you just don't bet against this team. Oh, my God. You are such a buzzkill. And the way you built yep. that up, it was so clear like you were going misdirection. That was like a Matt Nagy called misdirection. Everybody in the stadium <laughs> knew which way you were going knew. with that. All right. I, well, because I, you know, I, we're going to do sarcastic. this week. It was intentional. Yeah. Uh, I could sense it because you were laying it down pretty thick. Yeah. It was telegraphed, like everything in the Bears' offense. Like Trubisky's uh, passes. Trubisky's passes, Matt Nagy's play calls, the fact they're going to miss a 55-yard field goal to lose a game. Um, I'm going to love the Ravens in this foreshadowing, 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 scoot foreshadowing. Dallas okay. is on the road uh, against the New York Giants. They're seven-point favorites. Monday Night Football. Give me the Giants. Yeah, another sharp guy play. Uh, you know, we opened seven and a half. We went down to seven, and they're, they're taking the seven, but the public is all over the Cowboys, and just kind of similar again. Like I said, all these road uh, favorites. It seems like this weekend, first weekend of November, sets up where there's just a ton of road favorites uh, and a lot of short road favorites. But Cowboys Lane 7, um, you know, it, all, our day is really going to come down, or, or our weekend, I should say, is really going to come down to three or four games. Packers over the Chargers, Patriots over the Ravens, and then Cowboys over the Giants to, to cap the weekend. If that happens, every book in the country gets beat. I am seeing the board so clearly right now it's like never had more confidence going into a weekend than i do right now i hope you're right because you like a lot of dogs and that's what we need this week well that's what they've said about me for years <laughs> scooch you know what we're gonna do right now what's that play a little scooch roulette Last week, you had the Dolphins. They covered. I had the Panthers. They did not. Therefore, Mr. Scucci, Robert Scucci, you get to go first. Yeah, I'm going to go with this Packers team. And I, I know, uh, I mean, <laughs> going up against the Chargers and having kind of no home field advantage for the Chargers, laying three and a half seems like a short price. So I'm just like all those recreational betters coming into the sports book seeing that short number. Get it while it's short. I, get it while it's short. <laughs> I am going to go with the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins on the money line. Nice. There you go. Money line Millman. That's what they call me. You get, you get extra points for that because it's a money line. Yeah. So I'll win like two weeks in a row. Yeah. Yep. All right, folks, listen, uh, coming up in a few minutes, we got a special guest talking about the Breeders' Cup. And then later on in the show, Simon Hunter, professional better, is going to come on and we're going to pick our five teams for the Super Contest. We're doing it without Dan Ravel, which means uh, we're going to win every game. Bob Scucci, 
next week live in studio, whatever time you'd like, because I want some enthusiasm when you come in. Thank you for coming on your podcast. All right, listen, we got a special guest coming up for the Breeders' Cup, and this segment is sponsored by TVG, which is America's favorite legal online wagering platform for 20 years, and TVG is the official wagering partner of the Breeders' Cup. Everybody heard Scooch and I talking about the Breeders' Cup. It is a massive weekend. The books will be so crowded. Wherever sports betting is legal, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Everyone gets pumped up for the Triple Crown races, right? But smart bettors know that the Breeders' Cup is the best bet of the year in horse racing. I know this because last year we had so much traction, so much traction against the Breeders' Cup on ActionNetwork.com. It's not just one race. The top horses, trainers, and jockeys from around the world are getting together for an amazing weekend. 14 races, $30 million in purses. It's likely that the horse of the year, the horse of the year will likely be crowned after this weekend at the Breeders' Cup. Like I said, TVG is the official wagering partner of the Breeders' Cup. It's America's favorite legal online wagering platform for 20 years, and it has a huge, huge Breeders' Cup offer. A huge Breeders' Cup offer. New accounts can bet up to $500 risk-free on a Breeders' Cup race. People $500 risk-free. That's ridiculous. They're giving you $500. New signups, bet up to $500, and if your horse doesn't win, you get the money back. Folks, horse racing at its finest. The Breeders' Cup. Let's roll. Okay, we're coming on to talk Breeders' Cup. Dave Weaver, a host and handicapper with TVG. Dave, I just finished telling everybody how exciting Breeders' Cup weekend it is, is and it is huge. Um, my guest before, Bob Scucci, bookmaker at the Orleans, all the Boyd Gaming books, was talking all about how the Breeders' Cup drives so much action but also makes the book that much more exciting on uh, over the weekend. 14 races, $30 million purse. Who's going to be the horse of the year? Well, we'll know the answer to that uh, after... The, the series of races. There are a couple of horses that have not lost all year long, and depending on uh, the outcomes of what happens in these races, we're going to know. But but as a better, and as betters across the country know, there are really two days that people are paying attention to horse racing, even if they're not a big horse racing fan. Number one would be the Kentucky Derby, and number two would be the Breeders' Cup. So in in you know pools. Betting pools normally that would be $100,000. Now we're talking millions of dollars. So there's so much money to be made this weekend. Yeah, I was actually surprised last year at the Action Network. You know, obviously we're two year, we're almost two years old. And so last year was the first year that we covered the Breeders' Cup. I was shocked at how much activity, traction, uh, traffic, subs we drove from the Breeders' Cup. It feels like... Uh, it feels like people talk about the Triple Crown. You say it's the second sort of most talked about race of the year. I would say I'm not sure I believe that. I feel like it's maybe fourth, but for some fans who like are on the periphery, this is when they jump back in the pool. 
Yeah, and there were 14 races. You know, the Kentucky Derby, boom, that's the one race that day. There are bigger, big races on the undercard. But this weekend, with 14 grade ones, and you mentioned the $30 million in purses, there, there's a horse in the, in the distaff named Midnight Bisu that's undefeated. If she wins, she's got a chance for horse of the year. There's a horse named Bricks and Mortar that's in, in the turf on Saturday that I'm trying to beat. This is a big favorite. That Let's put things into sports terms for you real quick, because I know a lot of your audience are betting sports every day and not so much horse racing. So, you know, if you're laying minus 110 on, on a game, you're going 50-50. It's a coin toss. And in a horse race, you know, there are 12 horses in this race. So you're going to be able to find horses that present good value, um, better than, than, you know, plus 150 or plus 180, which you're going to see in a, uh, in a basketball game or a football game. And now we're looking at horses that are essentially, in sports betting terms, plus 2,000, plus 2,500, 20 to one shots, 25 to one shots, because the horse is going to be favored. I don't like. I don't think he deserves to, to be as short of a price as he's going to be, which is probably going to be somewhere in the uh, – even money range, and I'm going to try to beat him. He's going further than he's ever gone before, so I believe he's going to get tired when it comes to the top of the lane, and we can beat him with a price. There are some horses that are shipping in internationally from from Europe that usually have a lot of success uh, in this race because they have the experience going the mile and a half distance. And I'm looking at a horse that came from France last time out and finished second at 13-1 to 1 at Woodbine. So he has one race here in, in North America, he might be 20 or 30 to 1. We're talking about the number 7 horse, Alanac. That's going to be race number 11 on Saturday. That would be my big price play to consider in that race. All right, what are the other big races? And you mentioned a couple of horses that people are talking about. Bob Baffert has a horse running in this race. Like, the big trainers are there. Break it down for me of, like, oh, yeah. the horses that are sort of on the popular side, like you just discussed, and there are real chances for placing. For winning, actually, the big the big race is the Breeders' Cup Classic. It's the final race on Saturday. It goes race number twelve. Bob Baffert has the morning line favorite, and it's a horse local to Santa Anita named McKenzie. That's never been worse than second in seven races uh, here at Santa Anita. So he comes back off the second place try where he's a heavy, heavy favorite last time out. Mike Smith, legendary rider, he's won over two hundred Grade One races. Got fired for not riding to Bob Baffert's instructions last time out, and he's going to have a new rider in Joel Rosario. So Mike Smith ends up on another horse. You know how sweet that would be if he could beat Baffert now. I'm sure they're still friends, uh, but business-wise, you have to make these decisions in these races. And Mike Smith picks up the number five horse, Yoshida, who I actually think could beat the number eight horse, McKenzie. But Bob Baffert usually has big success on these type of days. And, and this is his home track at Santa Anita. But I'm going to try to beat McKinsey. That's the Baffert horse in race 12. That's the Breeders' Cup Classic. What wasn't Mike Smith doing? What did Bob Baffert not like? He was, uh, I think he wanted him to be in front and, and take this horse to the lead and win. But I'm kind of on the side of, look, that was a $200,000 purse. This is a $6 million purse. As long as I get the lead in the race that matters, and as long as I win the race that matters, shouldn't everything be okay? But apparently not, because after finishing second in that race as the one-to-five favorite, Bob Baffert decided to make a change, and Mike Smith no longer has the mount on McKenzie. It's so interesting in horse racing that the trainers will change the jockeys at a moment's notice. And, like, 
either it speaks to how much impact the jockeys can have in two minutes or how little the jockeys matter. Because, you know, in most areas, in sports, like in most events, preparation is the key. You need to be practicing. You need to be playing. You need to be getting comfortable with your teammates. In horse racing, it feels like it's the opposite. Well, you can't fire the trainer or else you fire yourself. So the next, the next scapegoat is going to be to, to fire the jockey. I myself would not take Mike Smith off of this horse. He, he knows him very, very well. He also had a questionable ride in, in three starts back in the Metropolitan Mile where he got just boxed in behind horses and wasn't able to find a seam. So maybe between that and his last start, you know, it was just time to make a change. But we'll see if it was the, the right move or not. All right, Dave, give me the three bets I should make this weekend. You mentioned one. Give, okay, me, so, give, me, give me them all together. So the, the, the first bet that I had already mentioned is going to come in uh, race number 11 on Saturday. That's the number seven horse, Alanac. That's going to be a win bet. This is the horse going to be 20, maybe 30 to one uh, at post time. Okay, let's go earlier in the day. Race number four. It's the first Breeders' Cup race. There are three races that are stakes that are, are not considered the Breeders' Cup races because they're not grade ones. But the first actual Breeders' Cup race on Saturday is a Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. Uh, sprint, sorry. Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. There's a horse that's going to be overbet from the inside post named Kofefi that is going further than I think she wants to go. She's going to get dueled by another horse named Selcourt. It's going to set it up for a horse named Come Dancing who's going to sit off the pace and run right past them with about an eighth of a mile to go. That's the number four horse. Fourth race, four horse come dancing. Eleventh race, the seven horse, Alanak. And then the twelfth race with the Breeders' Cup Classic. Let's get Yoshida home. Mike Smith. Maybe everything happens for a reason, and he ends up winning with a horse that he never thought he would be riding in that race. Oh, my God, I love that. I love that you were going for Mike <laughs> Smith in the battle royale against Bob Baffert. It feels kind of personal. It feels like you're against Bob Baffert. That's all I'm saying. I'm not. I like Bob a lot. I like Mike too. So that's fun. That's great. All right. Listen, everybody, the Breeders' Cup is a great weekend of racing. Um, and that's not even like in the script that I'm being told to read. It is pretty fantastic. And on a week, like a fall weekend when you're getting the NFL and you're getting the Breeders' Cup, 14 races, 30 million in purses, Go sign up. Learn more at tvg.com. New signups, you bet up to $500, and if your horse doesn't win, you get the money back. $500. New accounts, risk-free offer on a Breeders' Cup race. Go get it, tvg.com. It is time to make the five picks that is going to turn me into a millionaire so I can walk around Atlantic, Atlantic City like my guest Simon Hunter, just dropping bags of money on the World Series tonight from whatever posh hotel he's hanging out at in AC. Simon, how you doing, buddy? And now, a word from a wise guy with Simon Hunter. Listen, we got rid of Ravel this week, thank God. So it's just you and me. We can make educated, smart picks. None of this Dolphins crap that is going to make us sweat until the very end that Ravel had. Even though he won... I feel like we just, we, you know, we escaped with our lives in that game. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe Darren's busy day flying around the mattress guy. But yeah. I guess the millionaires have private planes without phones, so I guess it makes sense we can't call in. So you're so, so right. Here are the picks I'm going with right now, okay? Are you ready? And, like, I know how you feel about some of these picks because, like, sharp plays aren't always the right plays in the contest. Um, I love Pittsburgh. 
I love uh, Oakland. I love Cleveland. I love Baltimore. And I think I love the Giants. Yeah, like, I, de- I definitely am going to be betting on pretty much all those games. And it's just like where you just said, like, you don't always want to take the sharpest play. Like, last week, I talked about taking Cleveland and taking Green Bay just because I knew at the end of the day we'd be killing ourselves saying, why did we back Baker Mayfield against Tom Brady? So it's definitely one of those where the contest, it, it's all about playing it a little weird and a little differently than you would normally bet. Like, I texted you guys – I think at like 7 a.m. on Sunday, my my picks for the Super Contest and how we do it with our algorithm and our theories. And it was it, obviously we went 4-1, so it worked out. But the one we lost was Atlanta. So any one normal person would say that's a stupid bet to take Atlanta plus 6.5. But basically, that's how you have to play the contest. You have to play it with a system and stick to that system, even if you don't even believe in yourself. So... I like where your head's at with a couple of them. I think for the Super Contest, I do like the Oakland side, where it's they're they're coming finally coming back home after a long run, and the Lions have looked good. I mean, Stafford's looked good. He's played bad teams. He's played well. He's put up points. Um, but I like the Oakland spot coming home here. What do you What do you think about Pittsburgh? That that's such a fishy line where. It's like I, I saw it come out, and I, I couldn't believe. Even before the Monday night game, it was a pick, um, and I, I took I took Pittsburgh right then because I knew that it, it might be a good value where they could win and they'd maybe go up. But it actually went the other way, so now they're actually a dog, um, and it's going the Colts way. So obviously the public's pounding the Colts, but that that's a coin flip game where I don't see much value in the line in my system. Like I got, I got them at minus two Pittsburgh. So yeah, we're getting plus one. But is that really, really what we want to do? We want to back Pittsburgh. All right, you know what I'm doing? I'm taking Pittsburgh and I'm taking Cleveland out of it because you're right. I don't want to back those teams. Yeah, like that that Browns one. That that's a really funny spot where I, I, usually it does work out going against backup QBs. But in their first spot, like we saw on. Sunday night, usually these backups, their first game, they come out. Most of them play pretty good. So I, I definitely would stay away from the Cleveland one. I, I'd, I'd go with the Broncos there. Wow, you'd go with the Broncos. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be taking the Broncos. I like I like this. I like their defense matchup-wise against the offensive line of the Browns. Like They didn't address that weakness in the trade deadline. So in my ratings, the Browns really haven't improved at all since the start of the season. So they're kind of one of these teams on the downslope. So I'll, I'll be fading them this week. Are you going to take them in the contest? Mm, I, I might just because that might be one of the heavy ones. Like right now, the, a lock for me, my contest is probably going to be the Chargers because everybody's going to take the Green Bay line. That's a really, really bad line. So it's one of those where – the Chargers are probably going to end up losing, but I don't see them losing by more than a field goal. So it's kind of funny that they, they, they open the line. He could have got um, Green Bay minus three, but I'm still seeing a lot of – I'm seeing mainly three and a half now out there. So it's it's funny they're giving you the hook with the Chargers. And that I, – I don't know. I, could, I don't get why they didn't open this line at Green Bay minus six because they would have got way more money on the Chargers. And they're not really getting any – 
any money on the Chargers besides sharp money. So it's kind of funny they hung that line where it's one of those they're saying, this is what we believe in, and everyone can come bet on Green Bay, but we're going to believe in our own line we're laying here. So it's it's a funny – that's why the contest is really weird where you have to think about, like, these guys I've been looking at, they, they like to take these – these easy favorites like last week a lot of them were taking and it worked out for them uh they they were taking seattle and it worked out but if you do that every week when if a line looks too good to be true it usually is like we learned with carolina last week that that was that was a trap line there's a reason they were giving us so many points they're sucking us in chargers okay so here's what i'm doing so far chargers oakland baltimore are three picks for sure and then you you just want to go with some chalk here to please um, Dan because there is chalk I like this week. Tell me the chalk you like. So a a nice chalk spot is Carolina. You got a team in the Titans coming in off two wins to play a team that just got demolished after a bye week on the road coming home. So it's a really good get right spot for Carolina. And I like the Eagles coming back home after a big win, and the Bears coming in where. Most sharps are going to take that five points with the Bears just because the Eagles don't look like they're you know they don't they, they don't trust the Eagles they're, they're saying this is a good value here taking the five points but I got the Eagles at minus seven for this game so I think you're getting good values on the Eagles. Oh my God, I totally feel like the Bears are the right side there, but you know what? Definitely because that that on paper that looks like the Bears are the smart side, but it's just you have to put the human element to it. The, the team does not believe as a unit in Trubisky, and that's supposed to be the leader of the team. So it's one of those where, like, the numbers, I could see on paper people are going to think, like, this is a really smart side taking the Bears. But I think of the human element. I like the Eagles there. You know what? I'm with you. I've changed my tune. I'm going Carolina Chargers, Eagles, Oakland, Baltimore. Now, did Darren send in any of his um, picks you liked or no? He's so busy gallivanting around (laughs) the world. He doesn't even remember that we're doing this podcast. So I get he to make what I like to call man. the executive decisions. Um, and then for extra ones, I mean, if we want to, like, think about switching out any of these for sharp numbers, I, I love the Jags in London, and I also love the Bucks. but I know we probably don't want to do the Bucks again, but six points is way too many points for Se- the Seahawks defense to be laying to an explosive offense like that. I, agree. I know the whole Winston turnover thing, but – it's one of those where, like I said earlier in the year, it's it's really Russell Wilson on that team, and it's just a bunch of pieces. Like it, Their defense, letting Atlantic get back into that game, just shows what kind of defense they are. Couldn't agree more. I like the box in that spot. I think it's the uh, this is the week where you're allowed to bet Jameis. Last week was the week where it was a bad spot, where it didn't work out. So though, Even though we were on him, we were unlucky, we got a better shot this week. Yeah. Simon Hunter. So I, I like I like keeping we can keep that Bucks one. We can text tomorrow and see if we want to switch that one in last We'll minute. see what happens after the lines come out. Yeah. Brother, you are keeping us in this thing by will and spirit, and I appreciate that. Uh, it's my pleasure, man. And we're gonna keep keep getting better here. We we got a little three and two week, so we bounce back, so we gotta keep it rolling here. Let's roll. Let's go make some money. <laughs> All right, buddy. Simon Hunter, I'll talk to you next week. This has been The Favorites from the Action Network, the podcast. Download the podcast on Apple Podcasts from radio.com. Search for The Favorites wherever 
you get your podcast. I am Chad Millman. Until next time, love you.